Uh, so I'm sitting there with Elizabeth uh, Perkins, and we are uh, inventing shoe glue. Mm-hmm. Something we had talked about for a long time. You know right. how it takes so long to fix up your whole shoe, the string, the messy string. Yeah. This is, of course, special glue where you take these pieces, the shoe pieces, and you attach them to each other well, this seems with like, the special This seems glue. like it would be a cobbler's best friend. Thank you. So this is what we were saying. The cobbler, the, the, the job as it is, is so difficult. It's but grueling. with the special glue, they only have to do it once. And mm-hmm. then it's always on. And then when you go to sleep, you don't want to sleep in with your shoe getting everywhere. So you put the special bag on it. Right. So a couple of things that come up for me as possible issues. Do you, glue, do you end up gluing your hands to your feet? So Elizabeth did yes. do that a couple times. Uh-huh. Uh, she developed a sort of way of moving around after that. Right, okay. That was actually very, you know, she's like a very physical actress. She's a tumbler. I mean, uh, yes. you can see that that's in her background. Yes, and so she was able to incorporate that into uh, Wilma Flintstone. If you remember, Wilma Flintstone's hands I'm remembering now. are attached to the, kind of the heels of her feet. Mm. But she was like, oh, this is like caveman stuff. And it worked. It actually really did work. It worked really well for me, and that's why that movie is what it is. I mean, yeah. it's just like a cultural touchstone. Yes. Um, so we did end up using – we didn't have regular glue. We used uh, soda. Mm. Because soda, we've discovered, becomes it gets sticky. very sticky, it gets sticky when it gets on your hands, when it's uh, when it gets hot. So it was hot soda. Um, it was Pepsi Twist, which at the time people were really talking about what what else can we do with this stuff. We yeah. were, were finding new uses for Pepsi Twist at the time. It was like a very exciting discovery. Well, but yes, I, when when Pepsi Twist first emerged for our younger listeners or for people who just don't remember, um, we knew we were onto something. Uh, we had something big, and we were happy, but we knew it didn't end it. Just Are we drinking. just going to drink this? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the Diet Sprite remix of its time. Yes, that's right. So we finished the shoe. We realized we have uh, – our shoes are stuck to each other's shoes. Mm-hmm. So we are sort of a rat king. Of course. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, so when all you, you you know you sort of cast all the rats into the same area, saying like get rid, we'll get rid of this, we'll get rid of this, and then they sort of emerge now as a giant ball of one huge powerful rat, uh, that's yeah. comprised of all the many sort of peasants that you cast out. Yes, and then of course other people see us doing this, and then they all start doing it too, and we get huge. Mm-hmm. We become this huge ball. Yeah, it's sort of like a flash mob. Yeah, so that was Improv Everywhere. That was the beginning of Improv Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Hey, welcome to Hollywood Handbook, an insider's guide to kicking butt and dropping, dropping names in the red carpet lineback hallways in this industry we call showbiz. showbiz. We love uh, performers. <sighs> we love stand-ups. We love laughing. We love hosts. We love writers. Books. We love book writers. Mm. We love television writers. Smart stuff. And what if I was at its? What if I was well, talking you, you, about? You need to get fifty guests to have all those things. But what right? if? And this is, so this could actually. Well, be hey, really so we're funny. not going to fit all those guests in so the studio. All those this. things you described. So imagine this. What if all those people could be one 
person and it's one guy and his actual name is, is also guy. guy. So that's a little riddle. I wonder if this, like, if we think about who this could be, and maybe someone in the room has an answer for who, what this, the answer to the riddle. Mm-hmm. And you say. Hello, I am Guy Branham. I am a television writer, a television host, stand-up comedian, periodically performer. And may I just say, getting a hand-cobbled shoe these days. Oh, um, my God. I mean, it's hard with all of these mass-produced Chinese shoes flooding the market. Yeah, uh, we don't so- like to weigh in on what. What race the shoe is. I mean, but also, with the coming trade war, we have to be prepared to meet America's needs on our own. Yes. And I'm really excited that you're doing more to increase, like, domestic shoe production. But, you know, when I get a hand-cobbled shoe, I want the nails. I want the little nails that are attaching the the, the sole to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like there would be I, – I would feel incomplete with a glued shoe. We what offer guy, cosmetic that, nails, I just mm, want to say. Yeah. Just the top part you can glue on. It doesn't have the pointy part, which is, in my opinion, the worst part of the nail. Mm-hmm. It has the top that glues on so it looks like it's stabbing through there. But it's, I can always it's tell. A, it's a, I can a, always a, tell, illusion. and I think having the full nail is a status thing, and I think maybe it's time to let that go. It re- I mean, that's fair. I want to say I'm worth this much nickel, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's me just being consumed in capitalism. Yeah, I, I think we have to sort of recalibrate the way we think about brands uh-huh. um, and how important it's been traditionally to be the guy who has the nails in your shoes so yeah. that everybody knows, you know. Or just like a blob of like raw nickel. Yeah. And to convert into into nails. This is not something that everyone, you know, the economy the way it is now like not everyone has the, uh, like the the sheer nickel to to make nails out of. I'm as That's guilty we of it from. as everyone. Where I, you know, obviously I had the chain with the big hunk of nickel hanging off of it, and I would sort of you know show up uh, to the shoe store. Can I ask you boys a question? Mm. There's been a lot of talk recently about universal basic nickel. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, and I just want to say, do you think that that's a good idea or it's going to stop people from working hard to get the nickel you need? Uh, So this is interesting. I watch watch, uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Yes. Uh, I watch her do this thing, and to me it's like it's a big – it's a good show. You know, it's like it's like she's a great like performer. Mm-hmm. I think the character is interesting. They're yes. sort of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes, the stuff they're doing is so wild. I go like, okay, what's next? You know. Yes, but but wait. So I notice that, that, that like where the money is actually coming from, she won't say, and she's not holding it. You know, mm-hmm. if she were really ready to back this up, like spending money on all these programs, she would be like having it in her hands mm-hmm. to show me. But yeah. people are like, where is it? And she's like, oh, I guess it's somewhere else. Well, it's tied up in keyboards. I don't have it on me right now. It's tied up in electronic keyboards. Alexandra Casio Cortez. I mean, she's another one of these limousine liberals who, mm-hmm. just because she grew up with all of that keyboard money, mm-hmm. thinks that everything, yes. you know, does. she's not thinking about how it's going to be paid for. I personally wasn't that, 
like analytical about her work early on because yeah. I just assumed she was a Sasha Baron Cohen character. Uh-huh. You know, of course, of get, course. Getting in people's faces, saying ridiculous things like everyone should have health care. Yes. I thought just a provocateur. But then That's I did funny. notice, eventually I sort of thought that too, but then I noticed that her face wasn't like visibly melting off. Which is l- lately, a lot of his characters have this interesting quality, which is that their faces are huge. They look like they have multiple layers of face under them, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, uh, the, the the heat of the lights is is making them uh, slip off the head. Well, it's yeah. an interesting thing too, where a lot of his characters have made the choice to clearly wear a mask. You know, so it's like I think they've done hours of makeup to create this new character, and then the character with who he's completely transformed goes, "Time to put my mask on," and he sort of clumsily half applies it. Yeah, um, which I guess people do that, right? Yeah, aren't so, we? Aren't we all wearing masks? Okay, yes. this again. Yeah, we are. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough with the Casio with the Casio woman just because if you grew up like me and Hayes, we grew up in the Bronx and yeah. you had to make your own samba one beat or samba two or your marimba sound or ocarina sound. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just hit a little keypad. Trash at the can top. lids, brooms, mm-hmm. these were our instruments. Mm-hmm. I mean, we actually don't talk that much about the extent to which 1970s, 1980s electronics were appropriating the experiences of other cultures. You know, Thank like you. really uh-huh. just sort of reaching out and saying, well, samba belongs to me now. Uh, yes, that's yes. right. And the, the demo song, that would play when you hit the demo button on the keyboard mm-hmm. was a traditional song of for me and Sean. Yes, that had been ours. We came up with that with brooms, yes. trash can lids, a sponge that we would squeeze close to the mic. You know, that's beautiful. Like Thank you, you can oh. imagine the sound that would make. Find your sound. So, do you ever feel like like Stomp is really just a picture of what your childhood was like? What's that? The the Broadway show Stomp. Sure. Are you thinking of Shrek? Oh, Shrek was Shrek amazing. does does Stomp. Yes, he stomps around. He's an ogre, and he is also, I think, in some ways, a good representation of how Hayes and I felt was that no one truly saw us for mm-hmm. who we were, mm-hmm. and. I guess the other Broadway show I really like is the one with the animals. In the Heights. Yes, 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 yes. That was really a terrible choice for a bad answer to that improv because it sounds terribly racist. Yeah, do you want to just just walk it back while we we have time? That was what I assumed was going on. And Sean did say yes, so do you want to now like— Do me back it up? I go, right. Well, so for anyone who hasn't seen In the Heights, it's this amazing play that— you know, exhibits this uh, beautiful <laughs> culture, but what you don't know if you haven't had backstage passes like me and Guy is that just off stage, every time a character exits the um, scene they're in, they are playing with turtles and stuff. So and that's so that good. to me is the Broadway play with the animals. Oh, so you guys were not being. We just bad love at all. how sweet they are with their little turtles. I'm I'm sorry. I am I am bad at improv. 
Well, you'll fit right in here. The Paragua uh, man, the Paragua man, it was actually like an, it, it a really daring innovation. They cast a dolphin to play a human character. That was uh-huh. one of the first times you ever saw. What did you on say? Broadway. The Paragua man. The Paragua man. I think you're t- thinking of Portugal the man. Oh, Portugal the man. Um, he is a producer of, of, of great pop hits mm-hmm. uh-huh. and also a very fine country since they got rid of uh, the Salazar regime in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's. you talk about that a lot in your memoir. <laughs> oh, Hayes, you think you're making hilarious jokes. And let's be clear, the Salazar regime does not come up in my memoir, um, but they're like extinct species from Menorca and Mallorca do show up in my memoir. They uh, show up. They show up. As characters? Well, just sort of footnotes. I like periodically I decide that I need to uh explain something about my life with a reference that may not make sense to absolutely everyone. So then I explain it a lot in my book, My Life is a Goddess, available on shelves today. They could have been interesting narrators. Oh, some of these species, because these are like they're in heaven and stuff. Uh-huh. Be like the beginning of it's a wonderful life and heaven for these creatures looking mm. down at guy and they're sort of watching your interesting life. I mean, that feels like a bold step from like uh, like respectable literature that hasn't been taken yet. I agree. Having like now extinct creatures narrate wow. a mundane story. I feel like you've almost won the Booker Prize, Hayes. Yeah, uh, it really just takes pen and paper. The book, just called the book press. Uh, it's, it's a booker is someone who writes a book. Yes, mm. but this one, this prize is just called book prize. Well, prize for book. Actually, I believe it's now called the man book prize. So, well, now it can be anyone. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, this is starting now. And good luck, everybody. Get in there and now. Everyone's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Like, gonna be a stampede. You become a booker. I. Uh, Your book, so exciting. Uh, Thank you so much. So many adventures. Uh, Yes, it is about me being sad in Northern California and reading a lot and thinking a lot. Uh, And then sometimes I talk about TV or movies that I watched. And the beach, you go to the beach. Um, I don't really talk about going to the beach, but I do love going to the beach. It's kind of implied. It's very strongly implied that you're at the beach. You're near the beach. I mean, it it takes place in California, so it is a fundamentally coastal experience. Mm, It is something where sea air infuses everything that's going on. But it really is sort of the hydrological cycle from the Pacific Ocean to the Sierra Nevada Mountains that really runs things. Because I grew up in the Sacramento Valley. So it is that process of evaporation and precipitation, which allows all of the fruit trees to grow mm-hmm. and my homeland to be flooded uh, and be full of rich soil. And there's a lot of there's a lot of agriculture for a celebrity memoir. Now, Sacramento, of course, is kind of in the cultural ether now with the movie Brad Status. Uh-huh. Can you talk about has that do you feel like Brad's status has taken some of your individual Sacramento experience? Or was it like watching your own life unfold on the screen? I personally was electrified because as a gay man, when I see a movie called Brad's Status, I assume that this is going to be a heartfelt contemplation of a person living with HIV. And let's be honest, it is no longer a death sentence. It is a, a situation that you live with. It is no mm-hmm. longer uh, necessarily a tragedy. I was excited 
excited to see that um, Ben Stiller was there and that we were going to tell a triumphant story of Brad's status. And then it was about a kid getting into college, uh, and I didn't watch it. They don't say don't spoil. I'm sorry. I don't know, I I don't know if he I gets into college. I've just, only seen the first. Half. I just assume everyone I know gets screeners. You know, so yeah, yeah. Well, I, in fact, I. I do get the screeners. What I don't get is how they work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got all it these. It doesn't come with directions, at least that I have been able to see. Yeah. I'm reading them and I'm, you know, put I put them on the screen, like uh, shove them up against the front of the screen and they're doing nothing for me. You you hit the little you hit the little microphone thing on ah. on your Apple TV remote ah. and you say Apple TV screener, and then it figures it out for you. Ooh. And you look through the hole, the little hole at the end of- to see that it's not in the end. Actually, it's in I guess kind of at the end, but it's in like the middle part. You're saying the middle part? Yes. Um, I, th- I to see the. I should, be, I should be clear, too. I don't often have the remote because I am in a restaurant when I'm doing this. Okay. Uh, I don't have a TV in my. Home. Very few places will give up control of the remote. Yeah, they'll change the channel for you, but they won't necessarily say, like, here you go, go nuts. I think consuming media communally is a beautiful choice. Mm. I mean, we are so isolated in our lives these days. Thank you. When, you know, I want to watch the State of the Union at a gym. I think, you know, being surrounded by my, you know, fellow Angelinos who are not cheering, wealthy, who are not wealthy enough to be at uh, Equinox, but are too wealthy to be a 24 hour fitness. Fitness, mm-hmm. And hearing them cheering, reacting while mm-hmm. on ellipticals. That's what I want. It's really firing them up. To I literally did have so fast. that exact experience during the initial results of the election this year. I was on an elliptical while um, as individual states got called for Trump, a man two ellipticals away from me would go, yes. So that happened to me in uh, the Hollywood Equinox. <laughs> And you didn't you didn't punch him, and you are thus complicit in our current administration. I think so. I was like, I was thinking, what do I do? Like, what would I do? I don't like this. Why are you? What was strange? Why are you comfortable doing that? But also, you're. Let's let's be fair here, okay? I, I can't let this go by. You're the one who went to an equinox, okay? You're the one who said, like, will I get sweaty with the people, or will I put myself in, you know, an economically restrictive space? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can't be surprised that this man was wanting, you know, a tax cut for the highest like income brackets, mm-hmm. so that he can afford, you know, even more Kiehl's products. At Equinox, I guess that's they, right. I guess I'm I'm more like him than I am like the people. Though I have to say, your eye skin is amazing. Oh, the so products nice. that they are giving you are working. Oh, that's so nice. The Kiehl's, yeah, the Kiehl's eye butter mm-hmm. uh, that gives you more liquid in your eye. I didn't mm-hmm. realize before how little uh, like. There's almost no butter in your eye fluid naturally. There was yeah. in there. And it was just very watery. It wasn't creamy at all. Nothing's mm-hmm. more nothing's more useful than having like full, luscious, like uh, for for lack of a better term, zoftig eyes. Yes. You know? Yes. Thick, My eyes buttery have these eyes. wonderful curves now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh 
We do want to do something with you, guy. If you have just one if second, time. If you yes. have one it's second, I've got the time. I know you have other shows to do. What other shows are you doing to promote this book? Um, oh, I am doing all of your favorite podcasts: Throwing Shade, uh, Love It or Leave It. Um, this one where I talked about God. After this, I'm doing Ian Carmel's thing where I'm going to draft Canadians. You gonna make it weird, guy? Oh, uh, wait. Oh no! I've you I've not. Weird? You've never. I've, have you never made it weird? I've never made it weird. What? You I have to. Oh look, god! Look, I have not been able to go through sort of like the big respectable like uh, white male heterosexual cisgendered stand up comedian asking questions and then gently talking about his own career. Sort of, you know, like it's not that gentle icons. <laughs> <laughs> which episode do you listen to? <laughs> the, uh, the icons of of um, of podcastery. I've really had to work my way through a quirkier set and I have to yeah. say having two strapping heterosexual white men uh, hosting a show that I am doing makes me ask the question what have you guys done wrong yeah, okay that's Wh- right why, why aren't you part of that sort of like exalted strata of of podcasts that I'm not able to get on I, I would we don't strap ourselves for every show mm-hmm. that is something we are doing just for this one because we have a new engineer, uh-huh. uh, and just to remove some of the variables for her, Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, yes. we're like we're strapped in uh, because other, like we don't want to have her like tracking us around the room, right? Right. Uh, as we like do our big physical bits, this one we are keeping it in the chair, a little was, more it was, contained. It was really hard to strap you guys in; like you wouldn't stop moving. Okay, well, it's for you. Oh, okay, thank you. Also, I just want to say, in an earthquake state, safe. Like, yeah, so you're so much safer. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about what you can and can't have hanging on the wall right behind your bed in an earthquake state? Absolutely. As a native Californian, I think it's one of those things that Sacramento, having a moment in popular culture, is really raising awareness of, mm-hmm. is what should or shouldn't you have hanging above your bed? I have an upside-down uh, rhinoceros head, which I'm told in an earthquake situation, could be very unsafe. Now, I have a question could for you. Could gore me. Is this, but is this one of those rhinos who has had their horn medically removed so that people will not kill them for Chinese medicine purposes, or does it still have the horn? It has a new horn Oh, that I give it. Uh-huh. It came without it, but its new horn is a party hat. Oh, that's adorable. Isn't that cute? Mm-hmm. So I have to say, if, like... It would be really great to have a real rhino horn just above the bed Mm. so that you could use the erection, the Chinese medicine erection giving powers that it has. Just go with a little like microplane and grate off a little bit. A little nutmeg grater. Mm. Yeah. And just just right into your mouth. Right. And then go go to town. Yeah. Yeah. Right before you go, hey, just give me one second. And then you kind of get up and and just start Start like gnawing on the horn. (laughs) It could be pretty cool. Um, Can we just do the thing that we want just for one second, guys? Is yes. that okay if we just do this one second? Yeah. Thing? Okay. We have this guy here. His name is Chef Kevin. He's really basic. He is uh, the most boring, basic burger bitch who has ever lived. Yeah. But he's a total herb. Yes. Are you you're familiar with the concept of a, of a herb? I'm not. Okay. You will be in one yeah. second. Okay. Uh, but we need ways to profit off of him as part of this show. 
We put his face on an apron. The apron has not been okay. selling very well. Yeah. So we see, oh, guy's doing a good piece of business with this memoir. Mm-hmm. Maybe we get Kevin to do his little memoir as well. The memoir ultimately would really be an advertisement for the apron. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which we're underwater on Have this apron. Have you guys at all floated a chutney line? Oh, that okay. could be really interesting. And then they get the chutney on the apron. They have to get a new apron. Exactly. If we intentionally make the chutney too messy and maybe don't put the jar lid on all the way, mm, that could be pretty cool. That's really smart. Okay, let's let, but let's play out the memo. So we probably will just do the chutney now. But <laughs> we, let's, we don't even need to do the rest of the episode, really, because he kind of already solved it. Let's we let's do Kevin's memoir thing. Yeah, just in just in case, Kevin. And Bosch is upset. And he's sitting down. I could see him sitting down, even though he knows that he's going to come in. Kevin, are, like, you, are you meditating out there? Like, I see you sitting just staring at nothing. Hey, guys. Uh, Chef Kevin here. Yeah, I, the screen is not on technically. It is to help get me in a, little, a more relaxed headspace before I come in here. Okay. that's I, We would prefer you be more like up okay it's interesting that you think that's what you should be doing is yeah. to be like like somehow come in at a lower energy than you normally do yeah i mean you be- you've heard the episodes right or when you're hearing yourself speaking are you thinking man i gotta tone this down that's a good point um no i've i guess i've never thought that but i've thought maybe because i've been meditating i've it's I'm relaxed now. You should be doing suicides. Uh, that's a lot. Then I'm mm-hmm. gonna come in sweaty and stinky though, and you're not gonna like that either. Well, we'll see if I like it. Yeah, let's you, see. We don't, we don't tell, don't tell Hayes me what, what he likes. Don't what tell me do what I'm gonna try like. it once. Then Hayes tells you to do something else. Yes. Okay. And can we? Say, hello, Hi, guy. guy. Thanks this for is coming. Guy. Hello, Kevin. Jesus. Um, congrats on the book. I heard it's awesome. I'm so excited to read it. Thank you. Yeah. Kevin, can I just learn a little bit more about you as a chef? Okay. All right. Here's my question for you, Kevin. If you were doing the Top Chef Season 1 quickfire challenge where they had to go into a gas station and get things from a gas station with only $30 and then make a real high-end dish. I think you remember it. Two people made Krispy Kreme bread pudding. Yeah. Um, I believe Leanne won. Um, what would you make? Um, I would probably get donuts and a Snickers bar. Um, and uh, Mountain Dew and make like a uh, croissant with uh, with like a dash of Mountain Dew. I got a feeling when they showed up to judge like your meal from the quick fire, you'd just be just finishing polishing off the stickers and Mountain Dew, having not even touched a pan. It'd be like, I didn't get it plated in time. You make a croissant out of donuts, multiple uh, donuts. Yeah. Which they don't have at every gas station, by the way. Uh, yeah, but what's the what's the brand? They're kind of like uh, they're in packs of three. The package ones. Yeah. The Drake ones. Yeah, Drake donuts. Okay. I just had an idea. Uh, okay, hey, no, stop. Yep. You're on the West Coast now. I mean, like, you guys live here and you enjoy our weather. Don't fucking play a Drake's Cakes game here. This is Hostess Country or Dolly Madison, and you have some goddamn respect, he, he's okay? He's from Napsterville, Illinois. I'm just speaking his language. I don't care. You're in L.A. right now. It's not humid. Act like it. I didn't even do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. That's Donuts. Me. So... 
uh, but I had an idea, which is if we can get to. And Jordan, I just want to say, normally, when the, a host uh, gets like that with me, normally the engineer will protect me. Oh, okay. Yeah. But well, you're... as a guest, I mean, he's become the host because he has yes. dominated us. But and, well, he is a host. So, yes. Wait, I thought all of you were strapped in. You're, did you? Well, did somehow, guy has out? managed to loosen his straps. Oh my god! And was able to just destroy I'm not, us. I'm not doing my job. And so usually there will be a diving. Usually I will see an engineer Sam. Usually an engineer Ryan. I'm so sorry. Diving in front of me when something like that happens, mm-hmm. and I was looking and I did not I'm see so, that. So and then I looked I and you were down. and you were still in your. I once chair. attempted to shoot Andrew T. of Yo, is this racist? And like uh, a, Co-host. A, a daring, a, a very daring and brave uh, engineer jumped in front of him, took a bullet, mm-hmm. uh, is still in a coma. That uh, was engineer Frank. And I like I had to have respect for that. Yeah. And Andrew and I are better now. I have to learn so much. Uh, what precipitated the attempted assassination? Was he saying that it wasn't racist or that it was? He was saying that it was racist. Okay, come on, Andrew. I, Everything can't be. I just had a little moment of white fragility, and so, you know, I I did what you would expect. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I did have an idea, and it's maybe too long ago to go back to this, but whoever does have a contact with Alexandria Casio-Cortez's people. It could be a cool prank-type character to get onto Top Chef and then every time they say go for the challenge to just eat the food. (laughs) 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 I think think that would be kind of thrilling to watch, to walk over and be like, hey, what you working on, Andrew? And then it's like, oh, I'm making a gnocchi from the, the," and then go like, oh, sounds pretty good. It's just... (laughs) Just start munching. <laughs> and you might be able to make it a couple weeks by not yeah. being actively bad. There usually is somebody who makes something disgusting <laughs> in the first, like, three episodes, and you could skate by. I would really like that. <laughs> so, Kevin, uh, we're helping you with your memoirs, of course, the famous thing that we've been doing for a, a long time now. Okay. Uh, Guy is here to help you spice up some of your life stories. Ugh. If you could just tell Guy... One of your best stories, okay, uh, kind of like the, the the one that you uh, told us last week about some like internet conversation you had uh, that was very boring. Remember, uh, there was one about going three weeks early to try to see the Mister Rogers documentary. That yeah. was a pretty good story. Yes. Uh, so when the well, when I thought the Mister Rogers documentary. No, don't was tell kind of, that story again. No, but just Kevin. give us some. We give everyone a, heard that one, but I, we're okay. just giving you examples. Uh, I saw Equalizer two in theaters, and there was no one there. Well, there was two, a couple people there, and the <laughs> the guy behind me snored through the last hour, and I, it was distracting me, and I didn't know. Do I like? I didn't feel comfortable, like, waking him up or shouting or something, so I just kind of took it, and he just snored over the last But hour. there was only a couple people there. Why didn't you just move seats? <sighs> that was, uh, yeah, yeah, that would have Kevin, been. Kevin, let me tell this you. This is chapter about. one. All right? No, I think that this is a beautiful story to start out with because I think what a book needs these days, let's be honest, you're you're not a, a, a major celebrity. You're a mid-level celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, you He's B-list. Yeah. You have to have an angle that is sort of like leveraging these stories that are still Hollywood and glossy and making them relatable to people. And I think that that really is a story about you tell the world how to treat you. Okay? Yeah. You go into this world and you're sending out messages about what you're worth. Yeah. 
And what you're saying to the universe is, I am worth having someone snore so that I cannot properly hear Equalizer 2. That's true. And I didn't even move seats. Uh, were, you, were you at a theater that had assigned seats? Were you at the Arclight of yeah, the Grove? Yeah, and I feel an obligation <clears throat> to stay in that seat. Okay, yeah, and, you know, at this point in American democracy, the rule of law is, uh, like, hanging on by a tenuous thread, and it really does take strong Americans like you believing in and supporting the law as it exists, even though you could get away with something. Yeah. And I really feel like there's some political grandstanding there that won't be at all valuable for promotion. You need to go conservative with this. This book okay oh. you need to say and then I shot that guy because I was somewhat scared of him oh, and that's okay and I should have a gun with me at all times uh, mm-hmm. is there any other stories I could tell that maybe would have a different angle um you're the one with your own yeah, story. Your story. Yeah, come I've on, never met Kevin. you before. So let me ask you a question. We've met a couple times. That's okay. Uh, have we? <laughs> yeah, four or five times. Wait, you were here for who charted? He's yes. Yeah. Here. I'm sorry. That's okay. Maybe that's the story. Imagine remembering, <laughs> imagine being like, oh, yeah, Kevin, that guy left a, a really big impression on me. Hey, hey, that would have disturbed he me. He is a beautiful little boy. He's got facial hair that's growing that looks like it didn't grow from his face. It looks like he was in a fifth grade production of Our Town and someone used spirit gum to apply it to his face. Kevin, yeah. can I ask you a question? Sure. Well, first of all, let me just say, next time you meet me, make an impression. Oh, um, okay. But the other thing is, at a, at a darker moment in my career, I ghost wrote a book for one of the men on Million Dollar Listing LA. Whoa. And so I wanted to just say to you, have you ever sold a house in the bird streets of West Hollywood? Because if so, I can turn this into a book. Um, yes. What's the closest thing you have to that experience? Um, well, I sold my car last year and my neighbor asked for my parking spot. And when she said, how about I give you a hundred? Or I said, okay, it's a hundred dollars. And she said, how's 50? And I said, no. And she said, we're doing 50. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) so now every couple of months she pays me and I have to ask her. She normally doesn't pay me. So, like, that's pretty similar. So that kind of negotiation is a little similar to the million-dollar listing, $50 parking spot. So this really is a business book. This is a book, like, I think it's somewhere, it's in self-help, but it's somewhere in between business and, like, you know, like, talking about confidence. Well, the entrepreneurial spirit is still alive in America, and Mm -hmm. I feel like Kevin's the best example of that. But also, I believe, Kevin, like, going on a journey in your own life during the process of writing this book, where you go from thinking, hey, my parking spot is only worth what she tells me to saying, hey, my parking spot is worth at least $85. Yeah. You know, I think that could be a beautiful journey. Yeah. Maybe I'm sharing all these stories of what I did wrong so that the reader knows what to do right. Right. One thing you could do is stack up a bunch of pumpkins in the parking spot and go, hey, I'm not moving these pumpkins. (laughs) Until you pay me what it's really worth. What and is, then afterwards you could like make a pie. I mean, what is, but what is he supposed to do during the spring, summer, and winter? I mean, winter, I guess you still have fall squashes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, during the summertime, you think he's going to be fucked. able to get enough summer winter, squashes? Winter, Christmas trees. Uh, okay. Summer, maybe some kind of like playground or something for kids. There's a lot of slides. stuff that you can do with this parking spot mm-hmm. year round. Yeah, in, in summer, maybe you put a bunch of super soakers in there. Yeah. And then when she tries to park, you blast her. What if that's the book? Each chapter is like a different season and how it went, putting different <laughs> stuff in the parking space. 
Mm, I don't yeah. think that's a, a, okay, a yeah, good idea. We, How much yeah, of yeah. a historical view of the of the parking space would we get? Would we look back to a point in time that it was like um, like co-opted from Native American peoples? Would we? Would it be a book fundamentally about how all land in this country is that? Yeah, I noticed we never heard how Kevin got the parking space yeah. in the first place. Yeah. I have a feeling it could possibly have been stolen from Native Americans. Does that ring a bell, Kevin? We don't have to go through the history. We could just start at the present time. But that's the adventure, Kevin. I feel yeah. like you really need to tell, I mean, if you tell a story that begins with you being fixed, it's not a story. But if you give mm. us an adventure and you say, hey, I used to be someone who stole parking spaces from Native Americans, uh-huh. but now I'm a better. Uh-huh. I think that that's good, not great. What's great is I started out better. Now I am someone who steals parking spaces from Native Americans because we need more conservative pundits. Mm-hmm. We don't have wow. enough. I'd love to see you break bad, read the parking spot. Kevin, you have a friend named Darius, no? That's right. Guy, can we do anything with that? He built a dresser for me yesterday. <laughs> are, we, are, are we talking about all in a single day? Uh, yeah, yesterday after work, I told him I bought a dresser. And Is I, he an elf from a fairy tale? <laughs> Does he, no. does he cobble shoes? Because I've been looking. I wish. No, he's just really good at building stuff. Okay. Uh, so I sat on my bed and complained about work as he built a dresser for three hours. What did you say? Oh, I just said, you know, times were tough. And uh, well, now specifics. Did you mention that guy never remembers you? Yeah. I was like, well, I saw him when Howard was on the couch, and this was the second time I've seen him. And he, we, I, he's, he introduced himself again. And at this point, I didn't say, like, oh, yeah, we've met. So I guess it was on me. You're doing a different glasses thing than mm. you, you, that you don't always do. Yeah, I, I'm wearing them today. Has, has it ever crossed your mind that I am just pretending to not remember you because I'm enchanted by your narrow waist um, and, you know, boyish complexion, and I'm trying to not make this seem uncomfortable? We all saw what happened to Les Moonves. <laughs> That's true. I guess I should be thanking you. Um, so, like, uh, Darius, yeah. the, the construction of this um, of this dresser, did it represent an emotional journey for him or the two of you? Was he getting over the loss of a small child, something under six? I mean, once we get into school-aged years, it's not as emotional. But was this really like a, um, a woman under the... Uh, I was trying to remember the name of a book that moms read in the 90s, but I really couldn't. Sure. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah, probably. Rep- Wait, you were trying to do that too. Yeah. Why? I'm trying to remember the name of a book that women read in the nineties <laughs> for for to help guides like for a this Danielle Steele thing. No, more like more like Knights and Rodanthe, Snow Falling on Cedars. Like I had mm-hmm. a, a great uh, Prince of Tidy. I had Joy like, Luck Club. We've uh-huh. had a lot of success with Amy Tan references uh-huh. in the last couple of weeks. I mean, look at the end of the day, I'm always going to be Maxine Hong Kingston man, but. Uh, Amy Tan, she did a whole lot to to take that mainstream mm-hmm. and also gave us the Joy Luck Club movie. And anytime Rosalind Chow gets work, this guy's happy. So sorry, Kevin. That's okay. You were telling me what Darius was working through in the process of building that that dresser. Yeah, I think he is like working through his own career. He's trying to, you know, build up from nothing. And so he is working uh, just with simple pieces of wood and trying to build something beautiful. Are you comfortable being sort of like a Nick Carraway in your own memoir where you're really just observing somebody else's more interesting journey through and around American capitalism? Uh, yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. I call that. I call that. I call being Nick Carraway. 
I call it. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. That's okay. So I guess now I, I got it. That was <laughs> a good name for your cool character in the book, too. Hell yeah. It's your favorite seed. Oh, yes. No, it can be so good in, like, Havarti or whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a lot of licorice flavor. I Like, for me, if you're going with a licorice-flavored seed, I'm always going to go fennel. Okay, and I respect that. Yeah. But I think I stated pretty clearly that it's in, like, a Havarti. So, okay. like, there's, like, a nice sort of creaminess. And and like a, yeah. a lot. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Kevin, uh, do you have any stories from, like, uh, your childhood that we could workshop? Um, sure. I got lost in the woods once when I went on a run. Uh, <laughs> you went on a run as a <laughs> child? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not called going on a run at that point. Yeah. It's just called running. That's I'm sorry, this gives so much context and emotional weight to your narrow waist. And yeah. are we completely ignoring the possibility that this is uh, a, a book about surviving body image issues and, and possible sort of like like food issues? Mm. That's great. I think that's that's definitely the path we should go. Food issues for Chef Kevin. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a journey. That's a full circle. Yeah. Kevin, can I get something? And Jordan, I need you to look alive. Just real quick while we have okay. you. We need to plug in you saying something to protect our guest. Uh, can you just say, in the heights? In the heights. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Jesus, man. God. No. Terrible oh. specific. Come on, Kevin. You did get that, Jordan? Yeah, I got it. I feel terrible. Why didn't I just say Mamma Mia? Why didn't I just say Mamma Mia? Yes, that would have crushed. It would have been hilarious. Oh, here's a question. Just for the sake of your memoir. Uh, Do you know definitively who your father is, and did your mother ever own an inn on a Greek island? Because if so, I think we may have an angle. Uh, no, but they can. What's your closest life connection to to that kind of thing? Um, my parents own a house in Wisconsin, and they think it's, like, super rad. Are we talking, like, Door County, or? Oh, Lodi. It's a very small town. There's a population, like, 2,000. There's a lake house? Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. If you're doing upscale vacationing in Wisconsin, I want Door County or the Dales. Like I'm not I'm not fucking around with this shit. Sure. Yeah. Then uh, I mean, just look. There are a lot of lakes up there. We've all got lakes up there. Yeah. But you know something something charming like on Lake Michigan. That's what I'm looking Have for. Some self respect. I agree. It's a, it's uh, embarrassing for them. Well, Lodi, huh? Lodi hey, sounds like a Lodi horse shit to me. Hey, yeah. leave them alone. Yeah, that was great. Really funny, right? Those are my best <laughs> friends. <laughs> so, is it possible that your mother, during the course of one of like her rapturous summers in uh, Lodi, Wisconsin, uh-huh. was actually romanced by three separate men, all of whom might be your father? Uh. No, she was like, she stayed at home. Uh, I feel like now in her life, maybe this is my Nick Carraway thing. I feel like she's now like realizing like, I have a life and I'm going to go do cool things. And so she's kind of like going on trips and being independent and fun. And I'm like, that's kind of awesome. So maybe like that's the story. I don't think I don't think that happens in any Nick Carraway stories. Oh, I just meant no. like I'm observing it like... 
from a distance. Uh, okay, we've got an adult child observing their their mom who's going on her own journey. Just have to ask, does she have three friends who also all immigrated to Wisconsin from Illinois and they all have children and you guys are learning to re- relate to each other to take this back to Hayes's Joy Luck Club point? Uh-huh. Like, do you have some sort of white, more accessible Joy Luck Club? And does, and does she also have her groove or does she possibly need to get hit I back? I mean, that's a real question. We all have to ask during the course of writing a book uh i think she's getting her groove and uh yes there are some Im- illinois immigrants uh that are coming to wisconsin uh who are the same age as me so maybe there's some parallels here kevin let me ask you just an honest question how old is your mom 54 okay let's say and she's still married to your dad 55 yeah okay uh if let's say what she happened 56 <laughs> 50, sorry, yeah. She, she's getting old very fast. <laughs> we got to hurry. She fucks a dude. She fucks a dude, not oh your dad. Gosh. Does not break up with him. And he's just, for the rest of her life, I'm happier right happier, and in a better mood. Yeah. Like, her life is better and more healed. Now, your father's feelings aside, would you be happy and comfortable with that? Or would that fundamentally tear you apart? Uh, I have so many mixed emotions. I'd be happy that she's happy. Uh, but I feel like it would change our relationship because she has this lifelong lie she's been keeping from me, but maybe it was to protect me. Will it change your relationship when she listens to this show, which she often does? Yeah, she told me she heard that I do my mom thing, and I told her she should stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. Yeah, so that might change it. But feels like the kind of thing she could have just blown past as well. Didn't yeah. necessarily have to call you and tell call you me that and she tell heard me. it. Yeah, his-, uh, his mom's creation of drama is what you get a book out of. Mm-hmm. Having just like a low key life where you look at Darius do things while you yourself <laughs> are inactive. You know, I mean, the novel really is the medium best suited to that. It is an internal story, um, but I, I just feel like we we need more. And frankly, Kevin's mom is doing most of the work of what I've heard for creating interesting, compelling. stories storytelling. Well, you know who's really doing most of the work, guy, is you. I wonder if this memoir is like the guy sessions, and it's sort Ah. of all the stories of, like, the times you met on the couch, or the times that you were able to reframe the story, or how you built a new relationship for Kevin with his mom, and with Darius. Like, I love that. Uh, And I just want to yes and you. What if it's Tuesdays with guy? Yes. Uh Okay, or no. Even better. The five guys you meet in heaven. Thank and you. And so it's Kevin going, and he goes to heaven, and he meets me and, like, four animals, all named Guy, who had gone extinct at various points in time. And then they sort of, like, guide him through the choices he needs to make. And then he undies and comes back to, to Earth and builds his own dresser. That's, um, that's the callback. We got it. We did the animals in heaven and building a dresser. Uh, so that is what... That's what we wrap up the show on. Okay, yeah. And, of course, it is. this is also a callback to a joke I did maybe 200 episodes ago uh, where Tuesdays with Maury was the answer to the question, what's your favorite album? <laughs> Bye. <laughs>